This is Mackenzie Milton, and you're listening to One Night Stand. Caught with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Caught with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then okay, pop Okay, we poppin' champagne like we won a championship game. Look like I got on a championship game. Cause I ball hard. Don't be by harder. This is One Night Stand. Presented by Seat Geek, that's S-E-A-T, like a seat, and geek, like a nerdy person. Use promo code UCFPROBLEMS, all one word, for $20 off your Temple tickets this weekend. Hopefully you can make it to the game. I know we've got a big bus full of alumni coming from New York City and Philly or something like that, so hopefully you can make it. And if you still need tickets, use promo code UCFPROBLEMS for $20 off your Seat Geek purchase. What up, night fans? It's Tuesday, October 22nd. Today, we are going to recap an epic homecoming game. We had a lot of positive takeaways that I'm excited to share. Gabe Davis is on a record-shattering pace this year. We're going to let you know what records he might break. Dylan finally ran the ball. I think Hype listened to our show yet again. We talk about if it's okay to leave the game early. little debate on that. We have some injury updates for you guys as well. And then also, as usual, Money Moves Picks. We answer all your questions in the mailbag. And we have a special Fab Five today. We talk about closed UCF bars. That are bars that we, you know, were around when we were in college or you were in college. And we talk about our favorite ones. Nice little throwback. Yeah, so let's do it. I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF gets back in the win column with a 41-28 victory over East Carolina. Sean, what did you think about the game? All right, well, the game wasn't as close as the score, for one. Uh, The weather wasn't a factor like we thought it was going to be all week, for two. And I don't know. I think a lot of people overreacted after the game, myself obviously being one of them because that's what I do. Well, that's um, usual. <laughs> but, I mean, I think people are right. Uh, you know, we're up um, 35-3, to three, and then, you know, we only score six points in the second half. That's kind of embarrassing, but even though the score was close, the game never really was. We just kind of really, really let up in the second half. What were your main takeaways from the game? Well, I think you got to start off with uh... – how electric the offense was, at least in the first half. Just like you said earlier, uh, I really think Hype listens to the show because everything that Squints, you and I, had talked about in the last couple of weeks kind of came to fruition. Squints said we didn't pass enough on first down. There was a lot of passing on first down. Said we didn't motion enough. There was a lot of motion. We used motion said, more times in the first three plays, which was two plays out of the first three, than we did like the entire last game. And that made me really happy. And well, the score shows what happens when you listen to squints, you know, spreading the ball out. Everybody was doing a great job. Yeah. And we threw to the running backs out of the backfield, which is something we haven't seen, I don't think, all yep. year. We saw screen passes. We saw passes over the middle we saw marlon williams getting into the action and some more we saw my favorite ben tavius thompson getting into the action some more big and, fourth uh, down run for him big just really show, goes to show you what 
this team is capable of. Yeah, I agree. When we're not holding it back, um, which I, I don't understand, but we talked about that for two whole shows, so there's no reason to bring it back up again. No, I agree. We looked electric on offense. We come out, first five possessions, five touchdowns. Felt like the Stanford game all over. We're up um, 35-3, to and actually one of those touchdowns was Mack. He came in the game. I think he ran for it on like a third and short. Then we went right up to the line, and he zings a touchdown to Gabe Davis, which was awesome that he kept him in the game because I feel like the defense was kind of just expecting him to come in and run and then Dylan to come back in, and it was uh, was just good to see him mix it up. Talking about Gabe Davis, though, another monster game for him. Nine catches, 164 yards, two touchdowns. It's his fourth straight game with 100-plus yards, and, I mean, he really just looks like a man amongst boys out there. Yeah, I I was going to say the same exact thing, you know. I texted this to you a little bit after the game, and I said that he looks bored. <laughs> he really looks bored out there. It's just like, not this fair. Is not comp- it's not. I and mean, this is not competition for him. Like He is NFL-ready tomorrow, which, unfortunately, I don't think he's going to come back next year for his senior year. But we can't be thinking about that. we got to think about the present right now, and we really got to use him to the best of his ability I think we are for the rest of the season. But uh, so that puts him, he's at on the season, he's at 833 yards and 10 touchdowns through seven games, still five games left. The record is 1,237 yards. So he's already about two thirds of the way there and he's got almost half the season left and he's got 10 touchdowns. The record's 15. So he's also two thirds of the way there. I think he's going to shatter both of these records, especially when you consider that He only had six catches in the first two games. These last four have really been when we've been using him the most, and I think that's just going to keep continuing. He has set himself far apart from the other receivers. Not saying that those guys aren't good, but we're throwing it to him so much, and he's just putting up these ridiculous stat lines. Yeah, and the list of names uh, that have played wide receiver for us you know, in UCF history is that I think when it's all said and done, Gabe Davis is going to be one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, that's not even that bold of a prediction, um, at least at UCF. I, I think he might be the best receiver of all time based only off their college career. And in just a short time frame, I mean, he really only started starting last year, and he's just he's ridiculously good. He's got the size, he's got the speed. His routes are incredible. I mean, he just makes people look stupid. Like little children, not even like children. They look like babies out there trying to defend him. And (laughs) you're right, man. I think he did look bored because it's just almost not fair. Another thing I noticed too, Dylan Gabriel has wheels. What have I been saying? He can run. It's the, he ran in high school. If you watch his tape, he was committed to army, which he would have had to run at. I still think the only explanation was that he's told not to either that or he was afraid, but I don't think he was afraid. Who's afraid? Um, he's a football player. Possible, but, you know, I also want to go back to the fact that he is a freshman. That's true. You know, and it, there's so much that a freshman can take, you know, being on this stage, you know, 45,000 people in front of, you know, this is still... Only like 20,000 by halftime, but yeah. No. <laughs> well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> you know, he's from Hawaii. This is halfway across the world. Every game for him is an away game, if you think about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean K- he's not in an environment that he's familiar with. KZ now that gets bet that gets better with every game, every week. Definitely, he's getting more comfortable. He's always been great at home. It's on the road where he hasn't been as good. And you're right, every week he's going to keep getting better, and then all of a sudden, being on the road or being at home is not going to make that much of a difference to him once he's really, really comfortable. I honestly think that's going to happen sooner than later. Oh, def- you know, we, definitely. We'd like to talk about, you know, Frost's first season where Milton came in. You know, Milton wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year. It was Justin Holman. Hey, Gunsling. In 2016. I remember. And, uh, you know, KZ came in as a freshman. And, you know, the talent was obviously there, just like Dylan. It just reminds me so much of that season. And, you know, we lost some games where we really should have won. That Maryland game. Yeah. Uh, we lost to Temple by one point. Yeah. And then there was you know, games. There and, was games he looked great, too. It was definitely like a roller coaster. And then look at the next year. And he was like literally perfect. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. There's so much similarity between these two that he's just he's only going to get better. And I really hate to see, you know, in social media, all the criticism. I don't see too much criticism over Dylan. Um, it was a little bit after the cr- Cincy game. Just, but criti- yeah. just criticism in general. You know, I understand social media, especially Twitter, is where people go to complain and vent behind the keyboard and whatnot. But you got to look at the future, man. The future is so bright. So bright for this team and this school. Yeah, dude, we're definitely we're in a good situation. I mean, KZ is like a almost a once in a lifetime talent. And I feel like we've almost got someone similar and we could have went a decade without getting another good quarterback. Who knows? Look at all the, the four and five star recruits that don't end up being good at all, you know, for the major programs. We're definitely lucky. And I'm just thankful to, um, you know, that we're in the situation, I guess. All right. So we're up 35, three, 35 and 35, six at halftime. Then the second half happens. Um, the stadium, probably a third of the people left. I, I don't know if that's. I feel like it's close to accurate. And we just looked like a completely different team on offense. We were flat. The crowd was out of it. It wasn't nearly as loud. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, a lot of people did leave the game early. Uh, do I agree with it? You know, it depends. Uh, I think if you pay to get into the game, you can do whatever the hell you want. First off, you actually went to the game. So that's better than, you know, the game wasn't a sellout. Yeah. So that's better than some people that say, oh, East Carolina, we're 33-point favorites. I'm just going to watch it at home. At least you showed up for some of it. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing, too, that I don't think people understand is it was like 930 at halftime. Two and a half hours for one half. Like, our games are so freaking long. Like, every time I DVR the game, I have to do, like, an hour and a half extra after (laughs) it's supposed to be for three and a half. It ends up being a five-hour telecast. And that's because we score so much, right? So there's so many changes in possession and TV timeouts. There's so so many first downs. A lot of of our plays are to the sidelines. So the the clock is almost never running. And then if we're East Carolina only scoring, you know, basically three points the first half, so they're not really bleeding a lot of clock either. It just 
our games last forever. Yeah, I agree. And you know, people. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm just trying to say, like, look, I don't know why people want to complain about if they're leaving the game early or whatever. It's to me, yeah, it, it would be great if everyone stayed till the end. But I don't think this is a UCF problem. This is a this is like today's day and age that Alabama has the same problem. All their students leave early. They made a huge deal about it uh, on the news the other day. This is a football this is not know, just problem football. in general. It's sports, if it, probably. If sports the game's a blowout, people are going to leave. Right. If this was a UCF-only problem, oh, UCF, everyone leaves at halftime. That's a terrible school. No, that, that would be way different. This is clearly not what it is. So yeah, and I yeah, don't see anything wrong with it. The thing is with, with TV, not just actually not even TV, social media and everything, you can leave and still keep up with the game. And I'm not justifying it. Look, I mean, if you're like a really true fan, you should at least stay through the third quarter, even if it's a blowout. I mean, come on. It's your right to leave. But if you want to call yourself a true dedicated fan and you don't have a really good excuse to leave at halftime, you shouldn't leave at halftime. I'm sorry. You know, and it's your right to, but don't call yourself a true fan is kind of what I'm saying. Um, I left with like a minute left in the third quarter or something like that. Dude, I drove, I drove up, I went straight to tailgate, I was exhausted, and I had to leave like first thing in the morning, and not only that, it's homecoming, like, I was trying to go and meet up with some friends I haven't even seen, you know, since college, a lot of them, you know, it's, it's a lot of time it's for, for people that are out of state, this can be the only time I, I get to see them in Orlando, you know, once a year for homecoming, so I, I get that, I get it, also, if the game's a blowout, then it's like, you can't really be mad at anyone, but it just kind of sucked because the energy was like sucked out of the stadium when the team came back out in the second half. And I don't know if that hurt our offense, but it definitely didn't help them kind of, you know, running out into an empty stadium and just didn't have the uh, the same energy as we did in the first half. I mean, whatever, you know, if our biggest thing that we're complaining about after a pretty easy win is people leaving, like who gives a crap? We won like. Stop complaining. I I have another complaint, though, actually. Wait, hold on, hold on. I want to, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone listening knows this, but you, my friend, have been on an absolute tear (laughs) on the travel game. You've been to every single game so far, home and away. Am I I right? I didn't go to UConn, home game, because I was in... So you missed one. I was in New Orleans. One out of seven. I was in New Orleans. I had to see uh, Tristan, Traquan, and Tay, you know? But yeah, but you were still traveling. Yeah, no, and then so Columbia the last, on the bye week. When was the last weekend you were home in Naples? I think it was like August fifteenth or something like that. It's been a while. <laughs> so the week, the weekend before the FAMU game was the last time that you had a nice, relaxing weekend at home. That yes, is unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know how you do it, man. It's uh, well, you know, I've got a flexible job and. I don't know. I got some cheap trips and stuff, but yeah, it takes a lot out of you. So thank you for defending me though. I appreciate that. (laughs) And uh, definitely looking forward to watching this temple game on my couch Saturday night. Very excited. And you know, the best part about it is I get to live tweet the game, which is so much fun. It's like one of my, I mean, obviously, you know, I love Twitter, but like live tweeting games is like how I got a lot of followers in the beginning because I would just live tweet everything. And then if I say something funny or interesting, people, retweet it because you know everyone's on twitter if you're not at the game so i'm i'm definitely looking looking forward to the temple game this weekend 
Um. All right, let's talk about injuries. A lot of injuries. Otis had like 20 carries this game because AK, I don't know what happened. He ran the ball like once or twice, and I think he got dinged up, and they took him out. McCray is out, and Heupel said today he's out for Temple. And then Cole Schneider and Sam Jackson are out, but Hype said they're all going to be good for Temple. But as we know with Hype, we really don't know anything when he says stuff, besides the fact that McCray's out. That gets me onto another point here. And this might be like a probs probs. I know I haven't done that for a few weeks because it's not really fun to have an extra segment about negative stuff when we're losing. But this is my only criticism of this game is why are we throwing to Gabe Davis if we're up 19 with three minutes left? Why is he still in the game? Like, if he gets hurt, that could cost him millions. Do you have any explanation? I mean, it's not like we don't have enough, there's not enough film on him out there for NFL scouts. That'd be the only conceivable scenario where I think he's still in the game. And actually, I don't know why any of the starters were still in. I know it was Mack at quarterback, but... Nixon was in. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah, I really don't like it either. But you know what? The score was kind of getting close. Even though they were never within one score, they got to within two scores. Uh, I think it was 35-22 or something like that. With like three minutes left in the third quarter, a lot of stuff can happen. I agree. I I totally agree with that. The problem is I think we should have kept our foot on the gas pedal in the third quarter really separated us from ECU score-wise. And then you put all the backups in the fourth quarter, and it doesn't matter what happens. Now, a lot of people are giving, I guess, some crap to the defense. But I think, honestly, the the problem in the second half was twofold. We weren't doing anything on offense. We dialed it down, so the defense was out there a lot. And two, ECU's first two touchdown drives started from the one-yard line on a block punt which we got to get it together on special teams. It's unacceptable. We already had one against Pitt that pretty much cost us the game, even though you could say that about, well, pretty much any scoring play. And then we have one this game. We give them the ball on the one-yard line, and then we fumble again on the next possession, give them the ball on the 33, and they punch it in. So the defense, I mean, you take those out, they only really gave up one touchdown. So that didn't help, I guess, is kind of what I'm getting at. Starting yeah, we just field. tend to... We tend to shoot ourselves in the foot a lot. A lot of penalties. Did not like that. That too. It's Take- so dumb, some of them. How many times were we lined up offsides on defense? Like, just stand behind the ball. That's just sloppy. That's You know, it's one thing. <laughs> well, you- it's easy for you to say. I've played football. I never lined up offsides. I jumped offsides. But see, there's a difference there. If you jump offsides, it's like it happens in the moment. If you're lined up off sides, like you can't look at the ball and just be like behind it. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you're getting even like holding penalties or pass interference. It's like where you're trying and you're in the moment. It's like you were literally just lined up incorrectly. I think we had one on offense too. It was either off sides or like illegal formation. That's just the kind of like the, the sloppy tendencies of a team that just doesn't kind of all have it together, you know? It is, I agree. They just need to get buttoned up. Need to tighten up just a little bit. It's the little things, but that's the difference between, you know, winning and losing. Um, And it can be. It was against Pitt. It was against Pitt. And you'd figured after the bye week, we'd have this all straightened out. 
And what was it, like 11 penalties for like 100 yards or something like that? We're one of the worst in all of college football. Um, Things like that, even if you don't have talent, you can fix penalties. You can be disciplined. That's the word I was looking for. We are undisciplined. Yeah. You don't have to have all the talent in the world, but if you're a disciplined team, you can go out there and make the other team beat you. Instead, we're trying to almost let them win, even though this game wasn't that close. It's like at some point you've got to stop making these mistakes because it, it kind of almost let them back in the game. Kind of almost. Not like actually, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just comes with experience too a little bit. It, it, I think we're kind of experienced at this point. I don't know. I it, For me personally, and this brings me to another point, stop saying fire hypo. It, it's not, it literally can't happen. So you can either say fire hypo and like prove your point, and all that does is like make us look like negative fans, or you can just get behind them and say, "Hey, I hope you can do better." But you know, you're our guy, and we support you. Um, but I think it comes. I, I think stuff like that is a trickle down from from coaching, honestly. Uh, you know, having an undisciplined team, but I guess that's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a piece of the puzzle. Also, maybe senior leadership too. Not just coaching. So it's a team effort. Yeah. One heartbeat, remember? That's right. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Yeah. If we're not all on the same page, you can see what happened. But this week against Temple, you know, we just need to button it up. I mean, we've shown like this first half, ECU, the first half against Stanford, we look like one of the best teams in the nation. And then we've also seen the other side. The first half against Pitt. The second half against ECU. So it's like, which team's going to show up? And hopefully it's the good one and they can show up for two whole halves of the game. Because I don't think we've played our best football yet for 60 minutes. I don't think so either. And, you know, we're... You look back at it now and I'm looking at the top 25. You know, we are one trick play and one pick six away from being the number seven team in the country. Behind what everyone with the loss? No, like that would be the last undefeated team. But that's that's what I meant. I I said that. Yeah, right. we'd yeah. be right. Be, we'd be right behind Penn State at number six. You know what that is? That's in the playoff conversation. <laughs> that is. Well, that's yeah, in the conversation. You know, doesn't always happen that way. So. Yeah. Whatever. All we can do is, hey, you know, I mean, looking forward, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but. Boise losing, uh, you know, we need a couple things to happen, but Cotton Bowl's still not out of the picture, and that's why we got to keep supporting these boys no matter what, even if that means we end up in the Birmingham Bowl or whatever. Actually, so yeah, that kind of brings us to our next thing. So, you know, Boise lost this weekend. They dropped to 22. We still got undefeated Appalachian State at 21, but, you know, if Cincy loses to Temple, and we beat Temple, then we've got the three-way tie, or if Cincy loses another conference game, there's still a backdoor possibility for us to get in the Cotton Bowl. So, you know, this season's not over. And no matter what happens, we're going to, you know, we need everyone to support this team no matter what. Uh, What were some of the other meaningful games that happened in this conference this week, Moo? Well, we had probably the biggest surprise in the conference, Memphis smoking Tulane, 47-17. You know how high I've been on Tulane all season and even gave it out as a money move pick last week on Twitter. 
Ouch. Totally got wrecked. Yeah. Uh, Memphis is a tough, tough environment to go to. I'll they are. What. I mean, that's, they are. They have a big home field advantage there. And, you know, Tulane, I mean, their offenses look great all season, and they're kind of due to throw up a dud, I guess, is the, the best I can defend them. SMU took care of Temple pretty easily. They are now the highest ranked group of five team at number 16. Cincinnati beat Tulsa in a snooze fest, (laughs) 24-13. They're now ranked 18th. So the Americans strong. We got two teams in the top 25. Memphis just outside of the top 25 at number 26. You know, the conference is strong. And really, Cincinnati continuing to win is going to make us look better. Pitt winning again. Big over Syracuse now. Hey yo. Um, so I mean, Pitt's five and two. You yeah, know, no, no. It, help, it helps us. We need everyone we play to win, even after we play them. So some other notable games coming up this week. You got Ohio State and Wisconsin, which will be a big one. Auburn and LSU, and Michigan and Notre Dame. So it could be some big shakeups in the top twenty-five. Yep, and. All I can tell myself in my head is I'm not going to think where UCF would be. I'm not going to think where UCF would be. I'm not going to think where we would be if we didn't lose those games. I can't. i got to block it out. doesn't matter. can't change the past. Yep. What if? But, I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of what ifs. What if Auburn came back and beat us in the Peach Bowl? Then what? <laughs> Will we be where we are? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, all right. So what about our game this week? Temple. Not really that much of a home field advantage, but it, the advantage really isn't them being at home. It's us not being at home is what I would say because we just haven't looked that great on the road. Uh, night game, 7 p.m., You know, like we said at the beginning of the show. Should have some decent alumni from the Northeast showing up to that. In Philly, what are your thoughts on Temple? I, I don't think they're that good, but who knows what UCF team is going to show up. Yeah, you said it best. Their home field is non-existent. <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, us being away, it's just very different, man. It's not like the bounce house. But, you know, Dylan now has some road experience. And he's fought through a lot of adversity. I still go back to the pit game. Being down 21 nothing on the road as a freshman quarterback, you would think it kind of give up wouldn't you say yeah no he used that definitely i mean start to start to doubt yourself at the very least who knows what's going through his head at that point because especially like how hyped up he was over the first few games and then i feel like 21 nothing you're just sitting on a sideline it's just like a huge like reality check and it's like you know you can kind of go two ways from that you can build yourself up somehow and be like look i'm gonna forget about it Still a lot of football left to play. I'm going to play my best. Even if I mess up again, I'm still going to do that. Or you can kind of be down on yourself, and then you just actually get worse and worse. So, I, you know, these losses, are they're going to make him a better person and a better quarterback at the end of the day. All right, so this week, since we didn't have a guest, we figured we would bring back one of our favorite, most fun segments. It is the Fab Five. And this week, we decided we are going to do uh, closed or former bars from the UCF area. And there are a Only lot of the them. Finest. <laughs> Only the finest UCF establishments. 
it's, that you all know and love, or maybe you don't know, and this will be a uh, learning experience. A learning experience, okay. or it could be a trip down memory lane. Well, you know, it's funny because remember when we got to, and I don't want to give too much away, but like when we got to UCF, people would always talk about the the couple bars that had already closed like a year or two before, and be like, "Oh, that place was the best. That place was the best." And then when the bars that we went to college with closed, the younger people or us, we would say the same thing. So I feel like everything always used to be better, and it's really just a perspective thing because they're all – I mean, I'm looking at this list we have, and they're all pretty much the exact same. I have a lot of memories bars. and a lot of things I can't remember from every one of these bars. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. All right, um, so I will let you go first. Um, what's, your, what's your first one here? We'll go back and forth. All right, I'm starting it off with a bang. Going with the best one, my favorite of all time, I think, has got to be Devaney's Two, over there in that plaza. It is that plaza has changed so much, but is right it, on the corner of Alfea and Colonial, by the lofts and the Taco Bell, right? Yeah, there used to be, dude, there used to be a Blockbuster. Oh uh, man, do people <laughs> in even plaza? Do college kids even know like, what that is anymore? No, there's no way. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it used to be like a Blockbuster, a Pizza Hut. Publix used to be in that plaza. I think that's where like the Academy Sports is now. Oh, so for anyone that's younger, uh, Blockbuster is like a Netflix, but it's a store. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, and you insert this thing like this little disc thing into a player, and then it plays your movies. Now I was gonna say tapes, and you got to make Crazy. sure. You got to make sure you re- rewind your tape before bringing it back or else they charge you like a, a nickel or no, we're not yeah. that old, <laughs> like a quarter or 50 cents. Be kind, rewind. <laughs> anyway, so tell me about Devaney's. And didn't right. you meet your wife in the parking lot there or something? Uh, Somewhere around there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Devaney's 2, this is actually the second location. Devaney's 2, like Devaney's also, T-O-O. The original location is actually still open, I believe. It's way up, kind of close to Winter Park, way up on University and Forsyth. Never actually been to the first one. I, actually I don't think ha- anyone actually used- have. It's like you not- did. Yeah, it's like a. It's kind of ghetto, but uh, I agree because I remember we were going to UCF and we we're like on all these message boards and stuff, and people were talking about the bars, and I obviously you Google Devaney's, and then you're like, oh, which one could it be? Like, not knowing anything right. is a a naive freshman going in, but uh. Yeah, prime lo- prime location. If you lived at the lofts, which I actually did for one year, I'm telling you, at two o'clock when the uh, lights came on and everyone left, I used to like kick down the back door, and just like <laughs> go out the back door, and it was literally like maybe 25 steps to the front door of my apartment. Yeah, you were right in the, <laughs> the back door there. It was awesome. You were right in the front there. Is this still called the Lofts? Because I know apartment complexes change their names like every two years because of all the negative reviews online. Is oh, it even yeah. called the Lofts still? Uh, that I don't know. Huh? Well, it's I'm right there sure. by like the SunTrust. So anyway, they had all the all the usual fun specials: uh, free drinks till midnight. They had uh, I think free. Be- so I think every night besides two were free drinks till midnight. I think. Mondays was ten bucks, all you could drink bottled beer. Wednesdays was ten bucks, free top shelf, free anything till midnight. And then every other night was five bucks, free drinks till twelve. I think. Oh yeah. Well Thursday Thursday night was a big night because like nobody had Friday 
class. So it was like, yeah, that was the weekend. Thursday start. was the Friday. Yeah. I just remember, though, after the free drinks, like after midnight, the two dollar bottled beer was like, whoa, I don't know, man. This is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so expensive. Dude, the, the bar. So it'd be like like three, four deep in the bar, like pushing around trying to get a drink. As soon as the clock hits 1201, you can just like walk right up and order. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, the best way... I I remember I used to be so cheap. I'd have like the $5 bill to get two bottles and only tip $1. That's that's literally all I had. Well, that's... I mean, that's that's still a 20% tip. And honestly, me having worked in a bar, most people don't even tip. So I don't think that's that bad. Uh, I would say for people that don't know Devaney's, which is probably a very small percentage of our listeners, the best comparison is the pub now. It was like the Greek life place pretty much all Greek life. Like you didn't have the, uh, like the GDI crowd, like you did at, at library. Not there's anything wrong with that library, big supporter of my Twitter account, but it was, uh, it was just the Greek life spot is the best way to put it. And you could walk in there on any night and not have any plans and know like everyone there at the bar and it made it fun. Yeah. It's, I think that, I think that was the best part too. It's like you could show up by yourself and you knew that there would be at least like 20 people. You, you could hang out with there. You know what I mean? And it was, I think, I think this is a thing now too, like pub shoes. People have their shoes. They go to pub in. Well, yeah, we had, you had your Devaney shoes because like on a busy night, there would be anywhere between like one to three inches of just muck. Maybe not three inches. That's a lot. (laughs) But you know, like the nasty crap on the floor, it would just be like flooded and smelly and disgusting. And I miss that place. I mean, that's the first place we went when I went to orientation. I met, I met, you know, who ended up being my big brother in the fraternity. I met him and, and he took us there and now oh, the rest is history, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All Good right. Times. So let's move that on. Was a long, that was a long segment. Yeah. For one. Well, we I mean, that was, that, that's probably the best one. Uh, the second that's best true. or maybe like one A and one B would be old scoop. So scoop was on caddy cornered by the Wendy's there, like across from Waffle House at that corner. Which is crazy. We used to drive that far to go to the bars because now that seems like so far from campus. But isn't it like an Asian buffet? Yeah, I think something? I think so. Unless that changed. <laughs> Scoop was awesome because that was like a mix between Greek life and also it was just an everyone crowd, and they had the wildest like dayglo parties. They had concerts there. Big Sean played there in like 2009 before he was famous, and that was really cool. Mike Posner, Mike Posner, you know, he had the wheel on the bar and the girls would go up there and spin it and, you know, stuff would happen. But that was like the original place with the wheel. Actually, no, that might be the first place we went out to. But yeah, Scoop was a good time. Um, I worked there, so I guess I might I might be a little biased, but uh, just very similar, cheap, kind of the same thing. You know, five bucks free drinks till 12 or like 10 bucks free drinks all night, you know, beer and and well drinks and uh yeah they had the best power hour oh power hour oh, yeah mondays sure. right oh yeah that was a you know shot of beer every 60 seconds it so it'd be free beer till midnight and we'd get all of our friends and a big table and we would just keep going one after another we get an entire table full of just cups of beer and just stand there and every minute and i think what they say it's like seven a and a half pack or, seven seven yeah, and a half, seven beers, and a half an beers um is power hour still a thing? I feel like places don't do that anymore. 
Scoop was big enough uh, where everyone no had table spots. No spot. place that I've gone to in the last I, I've never like, even five years. <laughs> I've never even heard that phrase in like probably six or seven years, which is insane. Because that was like a staple of our college. Like that molded me into a person. Um. Wow. All right. So yeah, that's well, fun too because you know the first couple minutes everyone's like, ah, oh, this is nothing, and people like start doing little side beers. Yeah, and then, and those are the ones that like don't make it till the end. And then they change the song every minute too, so it like keeps it fresh. And then next thing you know, it's like forty minutes, and people are throwing up everywhere. And it's like, all right, power hour, not that easy. Um, right. all right, what do you got next? All right, next we're gonna go super old school. I'm going taking it back to Pounders. So a lot of people probably don't know this one. But this one was at the corner of Dean and University. It's so far, dude. It was very far. But uh, this was actually my one of my first UCF bar experiences. Um, super trashy place. Uh, I don't even know what's there anymore. But There's some uh, sub shop, I think. Or it's in the same plaza, okay. I guess. Yeah, but like Dean... Dean and University. It's in that plaza, like right behind. There's like a Circle K and something else. You know where it is. It's like a CVS. Um, it's like the the south <laughs> southeast corner. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was crazy because I've never seen this at any bar I've ever been to, uh, other than Pounders. Was they had free beer till midnight, but it was just a couple. It wasn't even free beer at the bar. Like it was a couple of guys like sitting in a chair and pouring it was like you were at a house party like the keg was in a trash can of ice and they had cups and you you just wait in line and get beer that way what a crappy like, job thought, the beer pour guy <laughs> very weird i think it ended up closing my freshman year so somewhere 07 08 but uh definitely an experience and uh well, it, cool name it closed so the big thing with pounders when we got there freshman year Everyone was like, oh, they got rid of the center bar. The center bar was cool. So then they closed. They renovate the place. And then they call it O-Bar. They brought back that middle bar. But apparently the place was just never the same. And I think it closed and reopened like two or three times under different names. I don't even remember at this point. But yeah, good times there. They had uh, foam parties, which are cool. All right, my next one. Hmm. Long list here. I think I'm going to have to go with... TDs. <laughs> so Classic. T- so TDs is uh, TDs was where the Buffalo Wild Wings currently is. And it was a whole front. But before that, it was a Trace Amigos or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so this whole thing, it ended up being, we found out it was a front. This guy was like, uh, what, what do you call it? Not embezzling. When do you like clean money? What's that called? It was a front. Money laundering. He was laundering money with this because the specials at this place were insane. Their happy hour, no cover, free beer, free pizza. Like what? <laughs> I think it was free liquor pitchers too. Yeah, free liquor pitchers too. It was free it was everything. Just free, free everything, dude. And they, there'd be like it'd be busy, and they'd put out the pe- like one pizza at a time, and everyone would like run to try and grab a piece, and. Yeah, Pav worked there. You know, obviously one of our good friends. Uh, Kyle Israel also worked there, friend of the podcast. So, pretty all star, all star staff that they had there. And 
place ended up getting shut down, but there were some wild nights there. And I mean, you could literally not have a dollar to your name and just, we would go there and like, obviously I'm not going to tip my friends cause we're in college and like, he wouldn't even take the money. You could go there with not a single dollar and get drunk and eat all night. And yeah. that place was, it fun. was crazy. I remember it was a pretty big happy hour spot, though. Like that was the that was the happy hour spot. Then like a little frat nap, and then go to Library of Devaney's, you know, for frat for Friday night. But oh, that nap was glorious. It was man. uh, it was just a, I, yeah, it was, <laughs> was crazy. There's no words to describe what TDs. It's exactly what, what you think a place that had no cover, or that. It's exactly what you imagine a place would be like if it had no cover and free beer, free pizza, and free liquor pitchers. Exactly. Yeah, Just imagine straight it. Straight up wild, wild west. I mean, yeah. especially when that pizza came out, the kids were like savages on that, yeah. <laughs> on that pizza. Yeah, it was a, it was a free-for-all. Uh, and I don't think they even like checked IDs and stuff. Or no, that was Liquid Cellar, but they were definitely lax. What do you got next? All right, the next one I got is another really old one. I'm going to go with Liquid Cellar. Hey, yo. This one was in the old plaza uh, at Alifayan University. This where, was where the plaza apartments are now, right? Right. So this was probably one of the trashiest, nastiest, dirtiest, darkest... I don't, know, I don't have any more words to describe this Just place. The worst. It was actually the same owners as TDs. I'm pretty sure. In fact, they had pretty much the same specials. It was free cover, <laughs> free beer, free liquor pitchers. It was just free everything. I couldn't understand how this place stayed open. And well, they're laundering closed, money. So. They're laundering money. But yeah, that too. <laughs> but uh, this was another one where I couldn't believe. Like they were. There were some people in there that I, they had to have been still in high school. Like, there's no way. I don't, I don't, they barely ever checked IDs. They didn't even check I mean, IDs. There was no one at the door. It was like the honor system. I, it was mind blowing. Yeah, they, I could have, I remember seeing a group of kids that was like, they had to have been like 15, like 15, <laughs> 16. I mean, we there. went there when we were 18 and like none of us even had IDs. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I again, mean, I would have went there if I was 15 and I lived in the area too. <laughs> That's just pr- another, another crazy ass time. Yeah. Uh, really nothing else Liquid to say Cellar. about that place. It was, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it. All right. Next up I've got hmm, list is dwindling down. So I'm going to go with Deco. Actually Deco was in that old plaza between old library and Old Liquid Cellar, which turned into Fubar, which we might get to soon. Deco used to be a movie theater, and when Deco was at its peak, that might have been the coolest college bar in the history. You done? What? What? I don't know. You just like opened a wrapper or something. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know that's how microphone. That. It's not selective <laughs> hearing on microphones, dude. <laughs> it's this piece of Velcro. Oh, I was gonna go with a cheese string wrapper. <laughs> Um, okay, so at its peak, Deco might have been the coolest college bar ever. So it was this old movie theater that was really small in the corner of this plaza. They had three movie theater rooms, and the old owners of Scoop came in, ripped up all the seats, and turned it into three rooms, like, separate. So there was one that played hip-hop, there was one that played Spanish music, and there was one that played house music, and then there was the main area. Think of, like, the concession area 
or the lobby and they just had like top 40s or something and they made it like oh you gotta have a collar to get in and for the first couple weeks this place was awesome and then it kind of fizzled out because you kind of get over like having to dress up to go to a college bar but it was definitely really really cool it stayed around for a while they had hookah available it just had everything and it was definitely a good time. They actually, it ended up closing and then they rebranded it as New Scoop, which lasted for maybe a month or so. But I mean, you know, honestly, the owners, I'm not talking crap because the owners, you know, the Mawardis own like half of downtown now. They own the original Scoop. I mean, they know what they're doing hospitality wise. But, you know, like college bars, like anything else, they all seem to fizzle out besides library. Honestly, it's like the one constant throughout the years. But Deco was a cool place. It was interesting. And, you know, like I said, at its peak, it was probably one of the coolest places ever. Do you, uh, what do you remember from there? The whole concept of like turning an old movie theater into a bar, I thought was something. I I mean, it's something I've never seen recreated even after they closed. Never seen that. It was a good spot. Yeah. Especially when that was like peak of that plaza. When you had that. The old library and Fubar, Fubar was just, were all in there. That was like peak plaza time, right there. Yeah, I mean, there was literally one place with the three busiest bars for you younger guys. Imagine if Library Pub and Stagger Inn were all in one like giant shopping center on the same corner. So, like, if you're bored somewhere, just walk to the next place. You don't have to Uber. It was uh, it was nuts, man. R.I.P. Old Plaza. Also, you know, Silvermine Subs, Broadway Pizza. Or no, Lazy Moon. Um, pretty much a one-stop shop for everything in college. Dang, I can't believe it was like 10 years ago. <laughs> no, I guess it was only like seven, but whatever. Uh, all right, what do we got next? My next one is going to be Old Library. So the original location, of course, in the Old Plaza. This one, I mean, what's better than the original? You know, you got to love it. Uh, this one, they even had food. Do they have food at the new one? Uh, no, no more food. Okay. Well, this was actually a legitimate bar with food. I think I ate there once. (laughs) Never did again. (laughs) But, uh, they had some different specials that I liked there. I liked the free call Thursday. I was a big, I was a big rum and Coke guy back in college. I'm I'm more of a, a beer only drinker now, but I was definitely a, Big Sailor Jerry captain, that you know, that was me. So I love the free call Thursday. Big spice run uh, guy over here. Money moves, spice run. <laughs> the uh, was it Riot Wednesday? Oh Had yeah, some great times. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Uh, I just remember Henry Fong, and I was like, I was like, what is this house music? It's just like a bunch of noises, like boop 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 boop, <laughs> and. Uh, that's when it was still getting big, and yeah, the rest is history. We should get him on the show, by the way. I'll have to send him a message. This would have actually been perfect, except we've been rambling on about bars for like 20 minutes. But yeah, Old <laughs> Library was good, and it's, I mean, pretty much the same as New Library, I think. The Sunday Night Karaoke, that was a pretty good one, too. Dude, I love Dude, I wonder if they still do that, because yeah, one time we did, oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm never like up there on a Sunday night, but I, think. I just remember me, me and my friend Vince, we sang like Snoop Dogg something, and then somebody sang like Lil John Lovers and Friends, and that's 
That was hilarious. Drunk karaoke is the best. I'd always go up there and try and do Forgot About Dre and then just get my tongue twisted on like the second line and everyone would boo me off. That was my big, big memory <laughs> from, from karaoke. Uh, all right, let's fly through these next three really quickly. I'm going to go with Stagger Inn. Uh, recently closed, but I do have some good memories there. I met Blake Bortles there for the first time, so great memories there. Um... Yeah, I don't really know that much. It was just a bar and a plaza. I think they got rid of that whole CBNS plaza, I'm pretty sure. Um, or they're going to. So that's why it's not there. But Stagger Stagger actually was probably the coolest spot out of the Stag pub and library trio that existed that were like the big three over the last few years. So RIP, never forget Stagger in. All right, last one each. All right, last one on my list is Fubar. Uh, we kind of already talked about this one. This replaced the old liquid cellar, uh, so the same location, same special, same crappy atmosphere, uh, same on the floor. Uh, they just changed the name to FUBAR. If you don't know what FUBAR is, Google it. It's an acronym. It's a military acronym, so you'll figure it out. Uh, all right, last one for me, and then we're done. I've got I've got to go with the station. Mikey Styles. Um, that place was awesome while it was awesome. And again, like most of the other bars, it fizzled out very quickly. The concept was cool. You know, when the traffic light turns green, you get a free shot. I don't know. It was just a bar there in that plaza, which really sucked because, you know, the whole thing that killed that plaza, which is where tenders is now, is that, um, they towed cars. So they like, if you drove there, you couldn't leave your car. So people were driving drunk. And they shouldn't have been. Or in turn, what ends up happening is you just don't go there. If you know you're going to drink and you can't leave your car because it's going to get towed, why would you go there? Just go somewhere else. So the owners of that plaza really killed it. My wife's car got towed out of that plaza too. So yeah, hate that plaza. Uh, You got any honorable mentions? (laughs) I think we covered everything. I got Mad Hatter, which was in the same plaza, and the old pub, which is where the new pub is. But it caught on fire and the place actually just sat empty for a long time. And then Mike D came in and, uh, well, you know, the rest is history. We got new pub. And, uh, yeah, I was actually there after the homecoming game. Good times. It's always fun being, like, 12 years older than everyone else in the bar. And they're like, like, I'm that guy. I'm that old guy. I was that old guy. But it's homecoming, so I'm allowed. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, those trip down memory lane, man. A lot of memories from all those bars. Yeah. That was. It's pretty crazy that. You know, library is pretty much the only one that stood the test of time for through all of these years. I mean, yeah, uh, have they really done anything that different or that special other than being like really good at marketing? That's I mean, that's the one. Or is that just it? They have good uh, the owner smart and they put good people in place in management and they hire the right people to work there. And they just know what they're doing with their specials or block parties. And yeah. They've been the one constant since, I mean, they were there for like four years before we got to college in 07, and they're still there. I mean, shoot, they had their building knocked down, and they were still able to find another location and continue on the library legacy. Yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere anywhere soon. So. Well, that's awesome. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. Big Got Big John at the door. Big John at the door? <laughs> Jammy go hammy on the ones and twos, or probably just sitting in the manager's office or whatever he does or <laughs> <laughs> getting ice. All right. Uh, anyway, let's, um, let's finish up here. We got, Oh, Whoa, not finishing up. We've got 
Money Moves <laughs> Picks of the Week. Money Moves Picks of the Week. 0-3 last week. I've been on a horrible streak. But you know what? Sports betting is about the long term. Any schmuck can come on here with his own podcast, pick a few games right in a row, and you know, call himself a genius. But can they sustain success over multiple seasons? That's the true sign of a pro. 55 and 48 since the beginning of last year. That's my record. So it's time to roll up the sleeves, you know, dig deep, find you guys some winners. So that's why this week I've got a special for you. It's officially double digit dog week. Hey yo. Three picks, three picks for you. All three are double digit underdogs. So the first one we got, we're gonna take Houston plus 13 against SMU. Now Houston, they thought their season was kind of over after De'Ara King decided to redshirt along with their number one wide receiver. But the coach's son, Dana Holgerson's son, Logan Holgerson, is now the starting quarterback. Got his first victory last week, albeit it was against UConn, but he got some good experience and, you know, a little bit of a confidence booster. So now he gets to go <clears throat> and play the number 16 team in the nation, SMU. Game is at home, though, and winning any conference game on the road is tough. Houston's a tough place to play. I think the fans will get up for this game. SMU, to me, I think they're a little overrated. Well, I was going to say, I mean, hold on. You're building them up, Houston and everything, and, you know, that's great, but aren't they're only, like, what, three and four? And two and four. Two and four, and SMU's seven and oh. So I, where's the value here? Well, that's where a lot of the public, you know, Joes are going to go are going to look at that and go, oh, SMU, got to bet, got to bet. But the pros will be on Houston. Isn't your first name Joe, though? It is. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the term came from? No, no. No, I'm just messing. That's funny, though. <laughs> anyway, SMU, a bit overrated. You know, they should have lost to Tulsa, who's also 2-4. and four. They were down 30-6 to six in the third quarter. And they've only beaten one team. And they've only beaten one team with a winning record all year, and that's Temple. You oh, remember what? last year when USF was seven and zero? Yeah, and you kept picking against them. <laughs> I know, and it was good. They weren't covering though; they were barely winning these games against bad teams. Exactly. So seven and zero. I want to say biggest fraud, biggest fraud in the conference right now. SMU. They are not a 7-0 team. They are not the number 16 team in the nation. I think Houston covers easily go out on a limb. And, uh, you know, if you want to sprinkle some on that money line, so this thinking, is the game I would do it. Is it like plus 400 or something like that? Uh, yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Whatever. It's got to be something big. I mean, if it's a 13-point spread. Uh, all right. So Houston plus 13. Let's take it. What do you got next? Second game I've got, also in the American, is going to be Tulsa plus 10.5, welcoming Memphis. This is the ultimate trap game for Memphis. Memphis hot off a big route of Tulane, which they were only four-point favorites. They ended up winning by 30. Now they have to go on the road before their big showdown against SMU next week. 
the team will definitely be looking ahead and are just going to sleepwalk through this game. Now, Tulsa, 2-4, and four, they've tasted the upset versus SMU. Again, I said earlier, up 30-6, to six, ended up losing in triple overtime. So they definitely have the potential. Tulsa, not going to win the game. Memphis is too powerful, but 10.5 on the road for Memphis is too much. That's why I'm sticking with the home dog, Tulsa, plus 10.5. Yeah, interesting. I feel like Memphis is just a completely different team at home and on the road. I mean, I feel like we as UCF fans know that more than literally anyone about Memphis. All right, what else? What's your last pick? Double-digit dog week. Last pick, double-digit dog week. We got Oklahoma State, also plus 10.5. They are on the road at Iowa State. Look, Oklahoma State, only the second time they've been an underdog this year. The other time was against Texas where they did cover the spread. And anytime I can get a guy named Chuba Hubbard with double-digit points, I got to take it. <laughs> also have a really talented wide receiver in Tylon Wallace. Their quarterback is a freshman as well, so I don't really like freshmen on the road, but getting points plus 10.5. Also, I really love Oklahoma State as the dream crusher. Seems like every year they always take down like a top 15 team when they're unranked. You know, they've beaten oh, yeah. Oklahoma as a top 10 when they're a top 10 team. They've beaten Texas when they're a top 15 team. Mike Gundy it is seems, a good game game planner for sure. It just seems to happen like every year. And it's always like three quarters of the way into the season. And it just, it seems to fit the narrative right here. And Iowa State top 25 team. It just seems like everything's going to go right for Oklahoma State. Might not win the game, but 10.5, again, way too many points. Um, so I'm taking the Cowboys, plus 10.5. Let's do it. All right, so let's recap real quick. First, we got Houston, plus 13 against SMU. Tulsa, plus 10.5 against Memphis. And Oklahoma State, plus 10.5 versus Iowa State. Let's get, get that, that money. Uh, last up, we've got Moo's mailbag, kind of a light mailbag this week. I'll go first. MD Knight 2016. How much longer can we as a fan base tolerate the Fairweather fans complaining about starting five and two? We are 17 and three in our last 20 games, 36 and 10 since 2016. This is the best UCF has ever been. We shouldn't be upset about where the program is. And yet I see a fair amount of fans being so. Uh, where's the question there? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's tough, but at the same time, like, look, this is not a UCF problem. You know, this is a, <laughs> for lack sports, of a better phrase, right? This is a sports problem. Every single week, no matter what team you are, you're going to have fans that go on social media and bash the team and complain and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, what do you think Nebraska fans are feeling right now? What do you think uh, Tennessee fans are feeling right now? Tennessee, this is a supposedly a big-time SEC program. They haven't been relevant in like 20 years. Yeah. Could you imagine? I don't understand why everyone's complaining. Like, yeah, it can be frustrating. But to me, I don't want 
to be a fan of a team that just wins every I mean I want to win every single game but wouldn't you think it gets kind of boring like isn't it all about the struggle yeah I mean ask the Patriots fans like the, the highs aren't as good if the lows aren't as bad that's why you know the Peach Bowl and the national championship felt so good because we were two years away from being 0-12 I agree but at the same time I'm going to take the other side I still expect perfection and I'm sorry not perfect record but if I see stuff that bothers me I'm going to say something and I still feel like we got these two losses are on us like we we beat ourselves in these games whether you want to blame it on coaching or whatever doesn't matter so I think simultaneously you're allowed to be upset about these two losses but also that doesn't mean you can't appreciate how far we've come as a program both can be true and I've been saying this but I agree. Uh, some of the posts are like really, really, really negative, though. I think that's kind of what he was going for. And, uh, you know, I agree. It, it's not the end of the world. And if you're going to jump ship because we lost a couple. Oh, one was kind of close. The other one, Cincinnati, the game was closer. Wasn't as close to the score. But we lost two games on the road by three points or whatever. Or one point and three points. If you're going to jump ship as a fan, then that really is a fair weather fan. Um, so I kind of I, I agree with what you're saying, Mike. But, you know, it's only going to get worse and worse as we have more and more and more fans. So, and like you said, this isn't a UCF problem. It's not a football problem. It's a sports problem. There's always bad fans. And the more popular you get, the more there's going to be. And we just got to get used to that, you know, kind of try and drown out, block out the, uh, the negativity. All right. This next question is from Annabella. What's up with all of our players Getting injured. I feel like something has changed. Are they being pushed too hard during training? Curious as to what your thoughts are. You know, that's a good question. We did have a lot of injuries this week, but I feel like we've kind of been blessed. Besides the BAM freak injury week one, I think we've kind of been lucky with injuries. You know, you almost have like one every game. And I think it just happened that we had a bunch last game. Um, I don't think they're getting pushed too hard or anything like that. Although they did have to practice during their bye week, but I feel like that's what you need to do to get the team, you know, whipped into shape after a loss. So I, I don't think it's that we have a really, really, really great training, not just training, nutrition, strength, everything staff. Um, so I don't blame them at all. Injuries happen. I mean, it's a gladiator sport. You know, you're going to get hurt. And uh, I think we're all right, though. None of them sound serious. I don't know about McCray, but every I think everyone else is going to play this week. I couldn't agree with you more. Um like you just said, football, an extremely violent sport, unfortunately. Uh, just look at the NFL and seeing like how many injuries there are you know, every week. For us to be as blessed as we have um, you know, through this season, minus the one you know, kind of freak injury with Bam, you know, for the most part, we've stayed pretty healthy. And Exactly. It's kind of a luck thing. Uh, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. There's teams in the NFL where like half their roster is already decimated. So it has nothing to do with the training staff. I, I, I promise you that. All right. This next question is from Corey Esquinazzi. What's up, Corey? Old frat brother. Does staying the whole game make you an air quotes true fan? I don't think that's necessarily the answer. Um, being a true fan means you, you know, you like the team no matter what. And I think as far as staying for the game, not staying for the game, you know, at least showing up to the game, you showed more support than, 
most people who had the opportunity to go to the game and decided, well, I'm just going to sit on my couch and watch it. So Or tailgated and then go to the game. Another popular move, especially in Greek also, life. Also a very popular, it should be an unpopular move. Um, but I know a lot of people that only tailgate and don't go to the game. So are they a true fan? Um, yeah, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. You know, it's not a certain thing you do or say that makes you a true fan. You either are, or you're not, you're not, you might have to leave the game early. It doesn't make you not a true fan. You might say the whole game and be a bandwagon fan. Um, I think it's like the collective body of work you do as a fan and just your overall support for the program. You can't take one game and, and say people aren't true fans. I can't say students are either. Students are going to leave early. That's that's what they do. They get bored. They want to go do stuff. I I think it's dumb. You shouldn't have to label anyone, you know? You're a UCF fan, you're a UCF fan, and people will know you are. And people will know that you're, you know, you're kind of not, I guess. People will know. You can't be a fake Fairweather fan. You no, know, you, people yeah. will find out that you are a Fairweather fan. You're either posting things on social media, you know, in the last couple of years when you're doing so good. And now if you're, you know, you're either taking it on the chin or you're not caring. And it's the people that not that are not caring that are the Fairweather fans. You know, when I walk into work on Monday after a loss, it, it sucks. You know, oh, yeah. it sucks because I have so much passion for this school and this team that everyone knows that I'm a huge UCF fan. Exactly. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many people text me like right after the game, if we win or right after the game, if we lose. Yep. You know, I know, man. but everyone knowing that yeah. you're a fan, you, that's what makes you a true fan. You live it, you breathe it. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, you know what? It's okay to not be that much of a fan. You can always be more of a fan. Like I've obviously progressed over the years to being just a, you know, passionate fan to a diehard fan and now I'm just freaking psycho. Um you can always improve on that if you want to be more of a fan. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is yeah, we went down some weird wormhole. My mind's like very confused right now <laughs> do what you want whatever makes you happy it's your life yeah I, that's all i can say but if you say you're a fan then act like it because actions speak louder than words i think we'll leave it at that all right the next question comes from golden knight 2 here's a behind the scenes question what is the most challenging task you guys do when making each podcast what's the prep work like Ooh, this is fun a little uh off topic, well, not off topic, but just not you know usual football questions. Um, so we spend like all well, it depends on <laughs> depends on what we do Saturday. We usually Sunday and then Monday during the day we communicate back and forth. We've got a an outline that we do. I take notes throughout the game and after the game on my phone and use that to kind of we develop an outline. Mu adds his picks in and then. Before the show, we call each other and we probably talk for about an hour, just kind of, you know, shooting the stuff um, about our thoughts. We run stuff back and forth and then we record the show and then it takes, I don't know, a few hours to edit. Uh, just, you know, depends on how many times we mess up or start laughing or say something inappropriate. And Or your do dogs start barking. Or my dogs start barking or fighting with each other or 
or whatever, or if I, you know, I forgot to turn the microphones on, then we might have to just re-record the whole show. No, <laughs> that hasn't happened yet, but uh, no, uh, yeah. So that's kind of just the gist of it. It's not, it's not really that complicated. I would say the biggest thing we've learned though is um, the more we prepare, the and just in life in general, the better you prepare for anything, the better it's going to be. We're not even that good. I mean, at least me, I don't think I'm, I don't know that much about all this stuff we talk about, but I, I just do the research and then I, I learn it through that, you know, and I think it, it comes out to a, a pretty decent quality show. Um, yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Moo? I think we're, I think we're quality. Now you go back. I, tr- I want some, some of our new lister listeners to really go back and uh, I'm not afraid. Go back and listen <laughs> to our first couple of episodes. You know, su- surprisingly, I think we were pretty good. Yeah, I think we were too because, you know, I was really nervous about being in front of a microphone. So I made sure like extra, extra, extra to prepare because I, I didn't know what I was going to say. So it's like, you know, just have a bunch of notes and stuff and then you have the stuff there in front of you and it it, it kind of makes you look good. But yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. I scroll through Twitter all the time to get ideas and and takes and, and people's thoughts on stuff. And I think that's important. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then Moo, you know, he's got his whole power ranking system for his picks and it kind of all comes together for the show. That actually takes a lot longer than you would think. Yeah, well, you go through every way- game, right? Yeah, so every week I scroll through every single Division One game that's going on. I look at every single line. Uh, so it's a lot. And to have to pick three, I mean, some weeks some weeks there's really only like one that I like. But I just do with the standard three every week. Sometimes there's five that I really like. But yeah, just going through all of the different lines, you know, recapping – Especially, too, because I go to a lot of the games. You know, I don't have time to watch the other games going on on Saturday. You know, if we're at Tailgate or, you know, when we were at Pittsburgh or at FAU. You got to catch up on all of it on Sunday. So there's not only the highlights that you have to look at. I'm looking at drive charts. I'm looking at, you know, different stats. So there's a lot that goes into it. Last question here from Nico K. Rico. What was your favorite part of your trip to Cartagena? I don't, you know, the way I said the whole trip was Cartagena, like a gringo, <laughs> Cartagena, Colombia. Um, yeah, what was your favorite part, Mo? Uh, I'd probably have to say my favorite part was going to the Rosario Islands on the biggest center console I've ever been on. We went on a 41-foot center console, hit 60 miles an hour with DJ Pop <laughs> dri- driving the boat. So that was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, that uh, was, the that weather was great. That was cool. I was going to say going to the castle was neat. Sightseeing or just in general, being in a, a different country, it's just another world. And um, you guys, you got to get out there and travel. It just changes your perspective on, on life, everything. It makes you really appreciate being in a country where almost everything is like 100 years old. Unless you're in like a big city, then it's 200 years old. You know, you're in places where it's five, 600 years old and it's just different and it's cool. Really awesome place. And I think my favorite part might be like the conversion rate. Cause like we went out, you know, dinner for 10 steaks, bottles of wine, drinks. I, I pay for the whole tab and it was like 90 bucks with tip, which would have been per <laughs> yeah, person here awesome. in America. So I think that was probably the best part. 
All right, let's wrap this show up. Last couple things. Uh, if you guys are going to Temple, have fun. Philly's a cool city. Use our promo code if you don't have tickets yet. Houston game, noon kickoff. Uh, you knew it was coming, and I really thought that it was going to be this week for the ECU game. Would have been nice if it could have been our noon game, and uh, the Houston could have been a seven, but again, this is not a UCF problem. Yeah. It's a football problem. You know, noon games abound. I think Florida had like two or three. Bama has them too. So, you know, it just happens. Yeah. Actually, Bama had an 11 a.m. Yeah. One. Oh, ouch. Yeah. That um, was even way worse. Yeah, that really stinks. So, hey, you know what? Whatever. Still show up. It's a space game. We're going to have some cool uniforms. They should be announced probably about the time that this show's going to drop, actually. So, look out for that on Twitter. Um, Tay Murray had an awesome game. Just, you know, some of our nights in the NFL. He was the Liberty Bowl MVP in our first bowl win. And he had over 100 yards, two touchdowns. For the Saints on Sunday, so shout out to him. And breaking news just came in. Defensive lineman Malik Barrow has entered his name into the transfer portal, reported by Jason Bede of 24-7 Sports. He is the... uh, Did he just transfer here? Yeah, he he just came from Ohio State, so... Nah, whatever. Next man up. Did he even play? That much? He played a. He played like one or two snaps. Oh. He played a little bit in the FAMU game, and not much. Yeah. Okay. Oh well. So yeah, that's it. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Go Knights. Charge on. Shots. Shots. Shots.